1: The illustration of a dog licking its master's hand has been used to illustrate what worship really is. We'll continue along that note next on Truth For Today. Our series is simply entitled, Don't Waste Your Life, and today, We focus in on Philippians 3, verses 1 through 4. If we're going to have meaning to our life, if we're going to be fully involved, it will involve worship. Our affection for Christ must be paramount. Welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard continues our view of Philippians today. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 is on the table for discussion. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil, shall we? And today's broadcast of Truth For Today...
0: Fear. God has told us to fear no, no one but himself. Luke twelve five. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, fear him. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear the one who can determine your eternal destiny. So just fear the Lord. Don't be afraid of everybody. We're filled with a world full of fears. We can't get enough alarm systems. Uh, Enough guns, enough police protection, we have become a fearful society. Peace. Uh, Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Uh, What's your uh, peace quotient? I, I like to think our emotional life is sometimes like a thermometer on where we are. Uh, that we all have dry seasons. We all have times that uh, you're walking truly. We, we walk by faith. But you need to see that the birthright of the believer is God has not called you to a miserable experience of knowing him. But the ultimate reward of knowing him is pleasure. He becomes your greatest pleasure. And I think the reason we've been tough in getting young people uh, to know God is we've told them everything they can't do. And we've painted a Christianity that is not pleasurable. It's austere, sell out, give up, hold on, you know, let go, let God, and quit everything. It's just say, why don't you come to the greatest source of pleasure you'll ever find? It's in God. The best use of money is found in God in His way. The best use of sex is God's way of sex. The best way of treating people is God's way. The best way of living out life is having God the center of all that I do. And it will not make a miserable people. It will make a people that overflow, that I exult, that I can call this God my greatest treasure. Treasuring God as the greatest thing you possess. It is so hard to give away a God that's going to make everybody miserable. But if we could tell them, come you who have no money. Come you who are poor. Come and find the joy beyond all the ages. You can plunge into the eternal Godhead and say, I'm basking in the richness of calling God my possession. This is the Bible view of God. You hear verses like, we ought to have zeal and fervency in Romans 12, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, You even have verses in the Bible that in our emotional life, he says something like this. What does this mean? Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Or James 4, 7. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. And there he's talking to a worldly church that has drifted away from God. And he's saying, get sad about it. Get sad that you're not experiencing biblical Christianity. Be sad in your spirit that you've become worldly. And you've committed spiritual adultery in James uh, 4, 5 and that you've put God second. He says, mourn about it. Now, this is not an intellectual exercise. This encompasses your whole being. For you should serve the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and body. The greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And so he says, we've been called to experience Uh, Emotions in a sacred community, the church. We are a covenant community. That's why people that don't take the Lord's Supper are not keeping the covenant. We aren't just a... a, You know, there's a difference between a crowd and a church. A crowd is just a bunch of folks. A church, a blood-bought people committed to the Word of God, committed to the ordinances, committed to the Lordship of Christ. And so he says... When my brother weeps, I should weep. When my brother rejoices, I should have the capacity to rejoice. And I think of the, the uh, overwhelming task I've had in all these years of burying so many people, being at the funerals. You know, the preacher's not supposed to weep, he's supposed to be comforting. And I used to always do good in the sermons, and I, I usually get through it without tears. That makes it under control. That makes it more, I'm a sophisticated preacher. But you ought to just stand, you ought to stand down there and watch the family at the closing of the coffin break down and weep. What am I to do? What's the professional role? I don't know about professional, but I can weep with those that weep were oh, Barry Lynn Howard's father this week. Marilyn just buried her father last week. We have a right to weep for those that weep. We are not passive emotionally. We're not, we don't get emotionally involved. Why don't you? You're quenching the spirit. The spirit's quenched. Who's told you you can't have an emotional life? What conservative told you that? What theologian talked you into that? And now you've expected, if I just get through the service, I will have worshipped. A thousand miles away, no, it's a lie. You can't worship God just with your head. It involves your whole person. Who said you can't weep? Who said we can't mourn? Who said we're not a church? You know, I had a meeting years ago and there was too much emotion in the meeting because some, one man that mourned the most was going through all kinds of tribulations, but others were bothered that they could hear a man groaning in a prayer meeting in the church. What have we become? I may have been preaching to a bunch of unbelievers or backsliders that think that way. If you don't like emotion, you don't like God. God produces a joy greater than any ounce of Coke. God produces a thrill that cannot be found in money, position. There is the riches. You know what? I've never increased my joy in God by increasing my economics. I had as much joy in God when I was 15, in a 50-person attended church on the south side of Richmond. I enjoyed God just as much then, but I know a hundred times more. Sometimes I know more than I'm enjoying. God wants you to be caught up. Jesus, you are the center of my joy. Jesus. When my heart is breaking, there is a rejoicing going on that I know you, my Redeemer's alive. If you strip me of loved ones, if you strip me of goods, if you strip me of health, if cancer takes over where health used to be, if I have to bury what I don't want to bury, if I have to give up what I don't want to, if I've got you, you're the center of my joy. Do you mean that? That's what it has to be. This is biblical Christianity. And this idea of worship, worship, we, this is the worship service. We, we advertise, it's not the worship service. You don't have a worship service without worshipers. An hour and a half in a bulletin or a church's agenda doesn't make anybody worship. You may have come in here, endure the songs, endure the sermon, but you put in your sacred hour for God, and God ought to be impressed. God doesn't need you, but you need him. God doesn't need you. You were going to hell when he got involved with you. You weren't going to church. While you were ungodly, while you were weak, while you were a sinner, God spared not his own son, but nailed him to a cross. Now, when you come to know this God... He talks about panting for him like a deer that wants water. He talks about hungering and thirsting for God. There is something about this is like the water that refreshes. I come. What you want to come into this church. I wish I had a picture. I wish you look like a sea biscuit coming through here. Wanting water. You're so thirsty for God. I came with a thirst. Preach. Pray. Sing. I'm thirsty. I found nothing in this week that compares to him. That's what worship could be. Instead of expecting a preacher to get you happy. If your God doesn't make you happy, I can't. If your God can't make you happy, no preacher can. And that's why you are such ugly Christians. You're not happy with God. And so you're miserable advertisement for God. Nobody wants your God. They said we're miserable enough without him. We ought to say, Joy just walked into this room. I knew a happy Christian. That ought to be a contradiction not to be a happy Christian. It ought to be a contradiction. But you don't know how things are going. We just got the report. Oh, you mean someone's dying? We'll weep with you while we rejoice in the hope of the resurrection. Paul wrote on Joy while he's in jail. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based upon our God. And I'm so afraid of you. Many of you think I'm preaching in tongues because you don't know a thing I'm saying. Because I can't tell you what an orange tastes like if you won't eat it. I say it's sweet. It's juicy. Well, there's a lot of things sweet and juicy. I'm not talking about juicy fruit. I'm talking about an orange. You got to taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, if you haven't had these emotions, you won't ever get them if you don't want them. If somebody's talked you out of them, you ought to go back and say, I'm getting my birthright back. I want everything God expects of a believer. I want to have my joy. I want to have peace. I want to have a fervency. I don't want to get tired of serving God. You won't get tired serving God if you rest in God. I'm so tired that deadness represents many churches and they wonder why they don't reach the community well it takes grace for me just to attend been many a church meeting i thought i just soon watch a ball game as be here when you watch folks that uh you, you could tell they're cramped they're emotionally constipated they just kind of just kind of and just let, let's worship god raise hands what's that oh that oh that's a poetical word oh okay shout to the lord love you Okay. Uh, Because we just strip it all of what it, it... doesn't mean what it says. It means what I want it to mean. No, it means what God said. Don't be telling God what he said. God knows how to talk and he doesn't stutter. He knows what he means. He wrote it in his word. I want my people, my pilgrim people, my people down in Egypt by people in uh, black plantations down the south. Treat it like a mule. If they're my child, I want them to sing. I've got my mind stayed on Jesus. I'm headed for Canaan land. I'm leaving this world. I'm going somewhere. Doesn't matter how I'm treated by a slave master. Doesn't matter how my employer treats me. I found a joy in Jesus on the south side of Richmond, friend. It's good 44 years later. And I don't need Nick Jaggers. I don't need the world. I've got a joy you can't explain. And you're nervous right now. Because I'm about to revert right now. I'm telling you. This God is wonderful. I'm trying to give him away. I'm trying to tell people, give up your sex. Give up your evilness. Give up your wickedness. You're headed to hell and you're living in hell now. Why don't you come to Jesus? He'll, he'll clean the wounds. He'll pour oil in there. He'll restore your marriage. He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll give you a joy. I where have I been so long? Oh, I'm telling you that night, that night when this little punk got saved. Oh, I will never forget the joy of that hour. Oh... After weeping in that, aisle, in that altar, crying, just a little punk that didn't want to know the God of my mother and father and my sister. But I still had to go to church because they were bigger than me. And I keep going. But oh, what's well, all those tears. And I remember, we used to get a lot of altar workers that help you through. And as a boy, I'm down there and I'm praying and I'm crying. And, and I got one sister telling me I need this. And another brother... My old daddy he just got up there and he, he pulled all these people back and he handed me a handkerchief and then he knelt and he knelt next to me and he said son when he's through breaking your heart and when you're through wiping up your tears you'll be in the family and he just kept his arm around me so all the zealous altar workers wouldn't keep me confused they're trying to get me to get the Holy Ghost. I just try to get saved. Man, they, they had eight things I ought to be getting down there. I so, said, wait, let him first get saved. I want Jesus. And he said, wait, wait. And I just kept weeping. I, I looked up, Daddy, why all these tears? I can't stop weeping. Hoodlums aren't most supposed to cry. Walter T. Helms' punks don't cry. He said, uh, these are the birth pains of coming into the kingdom. You're being birthed, son. He's breaking your heart with rejection of him, of the sins you've committed. But once you get all done, you keep crying. Daddy will keep getting a handkerchief. You'll be in the family. And I rode home that night with my dad and sister. We drove by the old Hotel Don. 10th Street. Anybody know where 10th Street is in Richmond? The UA and the Fox, the good old days when you walked those streets and I'd get shot. And uh, so I went through town, through Richmond. I just kept crying. The guilt was gone. The war was over. I'm no longer running from this God. I just ran to him. And I cast myself at his feet as a 14-year-old punk. Would you have me? Would you have me? He said, I've been telling you for 14 years through your old daddy, and mom, and sister, and these little churches, I want you. You haven't wanted me. But, but what will you do? You mean I've got to break up with this girl, but I've got to do this. He said, If you'll only taste of my son, you'll taste of a water that you'll never thirst again, you'll taste of a bread. Uh, that you will never hunger again. Some of you don't know him. You think you do, but you don't. You don't have these emotions. You don't have any experiences of being inundated with his wonder, his greatness. You don't even know the God of Jonathan Edwards. You don't know the God of any of history. This is the birthright of history. This is not some fanatical fringe group that you think are crazy. And oh, I, I tell you, hear me, Church. I've chosen in my heart I would rather run with the untaught the untrained and the fanatical than I would with dead orthodoxy if you got it all figured out and you don't feel these emotions and you think I'm preaching out of my head go that's all right. I I don't care how small the crowd that wants to know him in the joy of the Lord in his fullness and his riches I don't care I'm going to run with him You've just joined the table today. If you don't like our menu, find a church where they said serve dead carrion. I serve a living Christ. I serve a God that fills. A God that gives eternal life. A God that gives joy. A God that forgives you of all your past. I don't care if your daddy abused you. I don't care if you were sold on the streets. When you meet him, if he could change a Samaritan woman with a drink of himself, he could change you. This is the God we preach. I wish only that I was 25, starting all over. I've got to get a glorified body to keep up with what I want to say about him. Some of you, you've stifled the spirit. You've quenched him. And some of you have never experienced it. You think Christianity is just doing your duty. You've lost all the delight. Sin has stripped you. For when sin is there and when there's this quenching of the spirit of all emotional life, no gratitude, no humility, you need to confess to God, I am a quencher of the spirit. I want to know you, Lord. I want my peace back. I want the joy in knowing you, not the joy of circumstances, the joy of knowing you to flood my soul. Give me a fervent love. And you just come and say, Lord, I I hear an old sinner that said, Lord, I went to bed with the wrong woman and I lost all of my joy. I'm back now. And if I could bring an animal sacrifice that would restore our relationship, I'd bring it. But you don't delight in bullocks and lambs. All I can give you is a broken heart and a desire. I want my joy back. I know the difference. I used to dance before the children of Israel when we brought back the ark. (laughs) I've been writing all kinds of songs about you since I was a shepherd boy in my youth. But sleeping with this wrong woman and killing a, a man by the name of Uriah, I lost all that I had. I'm coming back. Would you cleanse me and wash me with hyssop? Could you scrub out my rebellion and my treachery? Oh, I'd kill a thousand bullocks, but God said, I don't want a broken lamb. I want a broken man. I want to break you, David. Do you enjoy your sin? Oh, I'm miserable. I made my pillow swim at night. My bones have declared war. My body is wrenching. I walk through the palace and all that shouts at me, how could you do God this way? Before you and you only have I sinned. It was you I did it against. You're the one I offended. Oh, would you take me back? Our youth pastor said a marvelous word to me the other day. He said, there is life after sin. God does restore. God does forgive. God can fill you anew with the joy, the peace, the wholeness of knowing him. Ain't no woman, ain't nothing out there that can give you that joy but him. You need to come. You need to get in your knees and your heart and say, I want my joy back. The joy of knowing you.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard.